A Word Podcast, episode 70. Go! Hi, Will. Hey, what's up, Dylan? Uh, nothing much. What's up with you? Uh, same on. Cool. <laughs> All right, that's the show, guys. Thanks. <laughs> it's it's you and me. Yeah. Me and you. Just you and me. Both of us together. Yep. In a room with no windows. Nope. No lighting, no windows. Which is good because we're also not wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see each other. Can't see out of the room. No one can see into the room. No embarrassment. Embarrassment free zone. <laughs> there's one window. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's, couple. There's two windows. Yeah, I can definitely see both of our nude bodies. Reflecting in the glass. Why'd you have to take it there, man? <laughs> I just want every podcast episode past 69 to be sexier than 69. Oh, that's a that's a tall order. Yeah. All right, well, it's got to be, you got you to gotta ramp it very slowly. All right. All Otherwise, right, we'll by the time we get... Later. By the time we get to like 81, it's going to be like, hello. <laughs> you might have to kick me off by then. <sighs> oh, I plan to. <laughs> so what's been going on, man? Oh, man. I've been uh, distracted. Yeah? Immensely. By? Pico 8. Oh, Christ. It's a sickness. Yeah. It's a sickness that's taking over the world. Pretty much. Or at least Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so what's so great about it, huh? It's, it's like Zen programming and it's like Zen everything because it's just like so straightforward. Just do whatever you want, man. It's it's free thought, free mind. It's just come in here and make a four loop. We don't care. Just whatever you like, man. So great. It's whatever you want. There's some weird things about it though. Yeah. Like the other day I was trying to just access things from an array. Which there's no such thing as an array, by the way. There's just tables. Great. Uh, You're already <laughs> selling me yeah. on this. And then, like it was all messed up. And I was like, Sam, what's what's happening? And he was like, Oh, they're they're indexed with one instead of zero. What? I know, right? Oh my god! Isn't that insane? No, I hate this. I hate this already. I know. I was kind of like, What am I doing with my life at that point? But because it's hard enough. When you're starting programming, to just wrap your head around the fact that <laughs> zero indexing is a thing, and that you have to think that the first element in an array is at index zero, so you're not constantly fucking up, and then that the last ele- that last element is that index length of the array minus one. Yeah, and now they've completely thrown that to the wind. Yeah, but other than that, it's really cool. What's cool about Python is that there's negative indexing. What? So if you do negative one, it gives you the last element in the array. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's kind of like a modulo built-in kind of thing. Yeah. You just walk backwards. I like that. Instead of walking forwards. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool because it's got like everything's built in. You know what I mean? Like it has the sprite editor in there. It's got mm-hmm. the sound and the music editors in there. I feel like it's what a lot of people like about Unity, but in like a cute package. Right. And also like Unity doesn't have anything built in. So. No. Yeah. I would like a built-in music editor. Yeah. That'd be nice. Because I don't know. I'm, I am I, I, I never know where to start with 
with music stuff. Like I, mean, I, I've it, never... I think that's like a problem with new game development in general, right? Like back when you were making games for Nintendo, you were just like, here's my options. Mm-hmm. Here's my but, MIDI. Yeah, but now it's just like I can literally do anything. But with Pico 8, it's just like, here's your four channels. Here's your eight noises. Have fun. I like that. Is it trying to mimic like a NES? It, I mean, it's not really. So it has more. It, it's really weird because it, it's limited in the way that it's. It uses a tracker like interface, which is kind of like a weird way of making music that a lot of people love and a lot of people hate. Um. And the reason it's limited is because it's already kind of a stripped down tracker, but like a Nintendo sound designer or something wasn't necessarily using a tracker, you know, like you could program the audio in Mm -hmm. Uh, and a tracker was just like a, I don't know. I don't know if there were any like trackers in use by like big, like Nintendo people, but like, it would just be like a tool to make the music. So with it being kind of like a stripped down tracker, it's kind of, um, it's it's pretty limited, I'd say. But I mean, what's cool about it is those limitations kind of like guide you. So that's cool. It's more limited than a Nintendo, and at the same time, it's less limited. It has a few more sounds, but maybe less. Uh, like one thing that really irks me is the noise channel, and like a Nintendo, you can get all kinds of noises, like and then you know, like all kinds. And then this one, it kind of does the same thing, but it's like a very limited range. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, what what's that one software that Mason's really hot on? It's like very chiptune MIDI, like Marco Scioli or some some some. Oh, Bosco Curiel. Yeah, something Chef Boyardioli. Yeah. <laughs> Made by Terry Cavanaugh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who's that? The guy that did uh, Super Hexagon and oh, have you played? Yeah. Do you like? It's okay. I like. I think Super Hexagon is like one of the coolest games made in the past twenty years. Just because it's like one thing doing one thing super well, and it's like something that I feel like a lot of people probably looked at and were like, "Why didn't I think of that?" Because you're not. Thinking of Marco Scioli. I know. <laughs> you mean Bosca Curioli? I think it's like a, uh, some kind of Welsh term or something. I don't know. That would make sense. That looks, that looks Welsh-esque. <laughs> yeah. Get Christian Bale in here. Yeah. <laughs> he, can, he can tell us. Oh, that's cool. Uh, well, yeah, no. So that's not really a tracker. That's kind of a piano roll format right sequencer okay okay all right there's that one guy at ga- uh, global game jam i forget what team he was on was he on kirk's team no he was on uh he was on moments team for wacky waivers mm-hmm. and he did all of his stuff in like tab yeah guitar tab yeah i think that's cool that was really cool because i understand guitar tab <laughs> for the limited like six weeks of guitar lessons i took I could wrap my head around that. Well, not only that, but I feel like a lot of like audio people might use that software and be like, this sucks. This sounds dumb. But like he obviously kind of understood it enough to kind of like work with the quirkiness of it. Right. And it gave that game like a really cool, unique sounding soundtrack that was like kind of goofy, kind of cool. 
Well, that that's the case with like a lot of that stuff that uses some some form of sheet music. Mm-hmm. Like Wendy's brother did a band in high school, and he would do um, composition on some software. I forget. Cerebius, cerebus. It was something like that. Yeah. And it was just sheet music, and you would just plop down notes, and it would play it. That's and you would cool. assign an instrument. I really like weird music making tools. I would like one with like a built-in tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know Ableton has a pretty decent tutorial. Oh yeah, yeah. And I how- think there's probably like a cheap version you could probably get too. Um, what's the format of that software like? Um, it's pretty unique. Um, back in the day, there were a lot of there was a lot of software that was trying to mimic like Pro Tools, and then there was like Fruity Loops. Yeah. But Fruit Loops isn't that like this? Isn't it like Audition? Isn't it just like a a doll? Yeah. Okay. But so like Fruity Loops is more oriented around kind of like this step sequencer and then this timeline that is kind of like track agnostic, so you can like put stuff in weird places. Whereas like this, for instance, we have our tracks on here, and everything on that first track is going to be you, and everything on the second track is going to be me. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Fruity Loops, the timeline's more non, I don't want to say non-linear because that implies like the time going across the x-axis. Right. But as far as the y-axis, it's non-linear. Whereas a lot of stuff, it's like, here's the guitar track and here's the drums track. Understood. And Ableton kind of has that like, here's the guitar track and here's the, but it also has like this view that's very like loop oriented. Got it. And so, so I does think, it like output all that to like a master track and you can use that for like looping and stuff? Yeah, sort of, yeah. But yeah, it's it's like for some people, I think that's like a very natural way to make music. And so it's pretty cool. I might check that out. I don't know. I, I messed around with guitar band, garage band. <laughs> <laughs> guitar band. <laughs> eight guitars on a stage. Uh, I messed around with garage band a little bit and I made some of the music for, or some of the sound effects for Arbo and that. That turned out all right, mm-hmm. uh, like the boot up sound. Yeah, I was like, Doo-doo-doo-doo. I was just like, all right, putting nine piano notes together yeah. in this arrangement. That's all you need to do. I like visualize um, visualizer music creators, like on smartphone apps and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a couple cool ones I've always messed with that are just like you just kind of draw out like a shape, and it it's like a eight by eight grid and each uh let me look up what the name of the app is but and then like each row is a uh is a um pitch right so it's like assigning different pitches and stuff and you can and it's it's really easy to like futz with it it's called beat wave mm. and that, and it's you just let me bring it up that's for iphone i mean there might be an android one but like so that's the Right. That's the grid. And so you're just drawing stuff and then assigning uh, notes to it. And there are layers. So you can have up to like four of these different grids that That's overlap. Cool. Let's see what this one sounds like. That one doesn't sound great. <laughs> I've, I've been kind of disappointed with a lot of phone things, but I know that uh, iPhones had or iOS has had a lot. Uh, a lot of really cool audio apps. It's one thing I wish Android 
kind of had more of earlier on. But mm-hmm. I haven't really checked it out in a while, so maybe I'll eat those words. Eat them. Eat them right up. Oh, God. I'm just shitting all over. The, I'm just messing up. I'm just trying to load a friggin'. <laughs> see this. That's cool. That's picking up. It's got a nice groove to it. Yeah. Cool. So like that that's like as far as my brain can wrap around <laughs> music. It's like, alright, if I just draw it out, like I know it sounds good, so I'll just keep drawing it out. Yeah. Uh but yeah. Music's hard. And, it, and it's like Arguably one of the most important aspects of your game, depending on what kind of game you have. Right. Uh, which, not to insult people that work really hard on their soundtracks, but I feel like the more orchestral mm-hmm. or more like the more it goes from being a like. It's kind of been moved to the background. Yeah. So like kind it's, of a it's, passive element. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's evoking a place or feeling. Right. So like people were really hot on the Firewatch soundtrack. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you a single, like (laughs) there's no memorable track to Firewatch to me in my head. It's good music. And I mean, Chris Remo is a good composer, but there's no standout one. Yeah. Or like, um, what is it? The uh, Bastion soundtrack. Right. People were really big on the Bastion soundtrack. I'm like, it's cool. It's like this cool rockabilly yeah. kind of... Bluegrassy uh, kind of stuff, maybe. Warehouse music. Like, I don't even really remember it all. Yeah. But I don't know, man. All blit. Like the Fez soundtrack. Right. Very, very distinct. Like each track, like you can kind of like... Yeah. And the, and the album is really cool because I don't know if Disaster Piece and... Well, I think he probably did. But it's basically a concept album because like right. each track just like flows into the next one. Yeah, and I think I think Disaster Piece has a really rare talent of being able to make music that's very engaging and very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like you know like uh, Hans Zimmer is really good at that, and Philip Glass is really good at that. Where you go and see like Inception and like the bah, like that sticks with you, you know, in a way that like Mega Man music sticks with you, right. or like John Williams, right? Another composer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, but then in the same token, like, there's, like, the opening score of, or the main score of, uh, Dear Esther, Mm -hmm. I can remember, because very, like, uh, piano-y, and it it almost, and I want to say, like, the track's called Ascension or something, but it's, like, it sounds like, even through the music, it sounds like, like you're ascending somewhere. Right. Um, or, like, (laughs) what's the one Sims track it's like doom 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 it's like the the <laughs> when you're in the in the build mode i don't i haven't played sims in a long time i thought you were just gonna stop it you never played sims yeah. right. i might have never played sims i remember sims played you people i remember trapping people inside of a wall and them dying and that's like literally all i can remember about the sims well i'm gonna look up those tracks and i'll put a little the clip of them in mm. the in the podcast ah Ooh, and this now you're listening to. <laughs> Local favorite. Will Blanton. Ooh. 
Give me one of your songs. <laughs> Ooing and ahhing. That's ah. ooh and ah. Oh, it's just this. <laughs> this part's my favorite. Have you seen um, Pooty Tang? No. Watch Pooty Tang. <laughs> what? <laughs> what or who is a Pooty Tang? So, Pooty Tang is a is kind of like a mock black exploitation movie made by Louis C.K. Oh God! And like, I guess the late '90s. It might have been the early 2000s. I remember I was in high school, but is this before he like got super big? Yeah, yeah. Before he got super fat? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really it's a great it's a really great movie. It ages really well. Who's in it? Um, a bunch of comedians. Chris Rock plays like three or four roles. That's okay, um, I like that. I can't remember. The, I think the guy that plays Pooty Tang is actually like a writer. I think he was a writer for like conan or something but uh it's got a lot of big name comedians the guy, the guy that was on the marks and harrison ads i don't know if any richmond virginia people remember that or like literally i think he's in every lawyer ad like but like <laughs> just if you're in another state it's not marks and harrison he's just telling you some other lawyer is really great alan 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 and alan and alan tell them we mean business <laughs> call the hurt line <laughs> 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 You think there's a guy at Allen, 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 and Allen that's named like Dave, and it's just like, you know, what fucking future do I have at this firm? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Dave, one of the Allens specializes in name changing. So, oh, legalized name change. I also think it probably refers to their last name. But... <laughs> <laughs> he, re- he, re- he renames himself Allen, Allen. Yeah. Just cover all my bases. <laughs> or like a guy that's spelled A-L-A-N. It's rough. Al Allen. But yeah, it's a great movie. And there's a scene in it <laughs> where uh, where Pootie Tang is like in the studio writing his next hit and stuff. And he's like, they're at the console and like the track's all nice and it's all groovy. And he just keeps like lowering, like lower the bass. He lowers like the guitars. And then he just like lowers everything. And so it's like complete silence. <laughs> and he goes in the recording booth and he's just like making faces and stuff. And it's just like total silence. And it like becomes a number one hit. It's kind of hard to describe on a podcast, I guess. No, I, no, I think, well, <laughs> I guess no one will get that, that, that uh, visual cue. You just insert like five minutes of silence right here.
And we're back. <laughs> um, That's really tempting. <laughs> you probably shouldn't. <laughs> but maybe I should. <laughs> it will, it'll, it'll pad the podcast down a little bit. But yeah, I think um, so back to music and games and stuff. I think it's really tempting for game developers to make their games more cinematic. And I think, I mean, like, The Last of Us, for instance. Everybody loved The Last of Us. But, like, as a game, it's it's okay. It's pretty good. But, like, it really excels at being, like, lit really well and being, like, voice acted really well. And a story. And scored and stories really good. But, like, as far as, like, it, being in the, the medium of video games, like... It it does what it does well. Like, I mean, it's shooting and stuff, like the cover mechanics and stuff. They all work well. But, like, they're n- it's not really... Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's good. I think you, I think it... If I may. Yeah, yeah. It, it may not line up with kind of your tastes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Your taste profile, at least how I come to understand it. Yeah. Which I'm not saying your tastes are wrong. Um, or Last of Us is... The perfect game right but uh and i've only played a little bit have you played it like have you beaten i've it? just watched curtis play it uh did you watch him play it all the way through maybe i mean like it gets to a point where it's just like you go into another messed up building and there's either zombies or bad humans maybe both mm-hmm. but but secretly you're the bad human <laughs> it's the truth Right, so like they could have just made it like a fifteen-minute game and like gotten all that in there. <laughs> all right, zombies, bad humans. But I mean, it's just like any game like that, where, or like Uncharted or something, where it's just like, is like murdering two thousand people really worth finding treasure or whatever? Like, yes. Like, answer yes. I mean, Indiana Jones definitely kills some fools, but, yeah, but like, they're Nazis, and we've. <laughs> Um, we the, the the national debate on the treatment of Nazis, I feel like, is pretty cut and dry right now, Will. Yeah, we can punch them. You can't just murder them wholesale, though. Oh. Or you can murder a few. You can murder a handful. There's like a How many? quota. What's my max? I'd say maybe a dozen. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. If I can murder a dozen Nazis. <laughs> I'm already halfway there. <laughs> oh. You heard it first. Oh. I need to call somebody. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, these games where, like, they try and make the protagonist very, like, human and, like, have them, you know, they have flaws and have these interesting ambitions and stuff. But also they kill hundreds of people. Right. In the span of, like, a few days. Which is, like, and it's just hard to marry the narrative with the gameplay in my in, in my imagination. Do you think just games are not suited for that or you just think that our current expectations for gameplay well that's what i'm saying is i think that we're trying to like shoehorn games into cinema too much just in general uh so like dark souls has like a crazy good story and it's also like everything about it is about death and so like you going around killing everything like in in that universe makes sense but like Dark Souls the movie would probably be trash. Right, know? because I mean, like there's no character per se. I mean, they're more right. like they're more like representations. They're like archetypes, right? Right. Like, or just like a universe that kind of exists. It's not really like uh the character's story isn't like your player's story isn't the main story in that. Right. 
Um, well, I have been playing Last of Us Remastered mm-hmm. just a little bit. It's been a couple weeks, but I did want to say because I've never played this game and I actually purposely like sheltered myself from like any sort of like major spoilers, right? Um, which you can only do so much <laughs> because you know I heard you know such high praise for this game and it's the and it's one of those rare things where it seems like the high praise is warranted. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to experience it for myself. Whereas we had a conversation in the Slack today about Samurai Jack and everyone's like kind of positioning on Samurai Jack. Whereas I feel like that's something where the high praise makes me not want to go seek it out. Right. And it's it's one of those weird things. But for The Last of Us, you know, I know the basic premise of like there's Joel and there's Ellie and they kind of and they, you know, have to survive together. But they do the basic the the build up where where you know it starts with a flashback where Joel's daughter dies right at the very beginning and then oh by the way last of a spoiler is just going to let you know i mean that's like the first 10 minutes right um but and then it fl- goes forward like 20 25 years something like that and he's like a smuggler basically works for like some underground in like a uh uh, uh safe zone in like the post apocalyptic world he's like in boston and he's like trying to get a, a shipment of like contraband of like guns and stuff, right? Yeah. And then these people called the Fireflies, which good on Naughty Dog and even people who talk about this game for not really talking about that kind of group in the game. Because so right. far they've played a decent portion of the game. Yeah. But like nothing in the promotional material talks about these Firefly characters, but they're basically like humanitarian workers like Mm -hmm. radicalized humanitarian workers as far as i've been able to interpret them when i've only played like three four hours of the game um and then they ask joel and one of joel's compatriots to take this cargo they want them to take it smuggle it out of the the city right yeah and at that very point joel asks, what's the cargo and i say ellie's the cargo ellie's the cure for the zombie outbreak right we need to bring ellie out and then I sat there for a second. I said, "I swear to God, if that's the twist, I'm gonna be <laughs> so pissed." Yeah. And then, like 45 minutes later, she's like, "Look, I got bit, and I'm not turning." And I'm like, "Yeah." All right. Well, I'm not actually that pissed, but I was just kind of like, "I think maybe we're just at peak zombie." Like, well, it's 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 weird because like, because I don't think the story's. And I don't think the story's bad. I think there's a lot. And going back to the gameplay part, I think that the gameplay in that, like, when you're Nathan Drake in Uncharted, right? you can just fuck people up. Yeah. And you take dozens of bullets and you just shrug them off. And Last of Us, you will drop, oh, yeah, like, yeah. a sack of potatoes if you take, <laughs> like, one grazed bullet. Yeah. And or, like, a zombie walks up to you. Right. It's yeah. crazy. And so I think they do a very good job of upping the stakes in in that way. Mm-hmm. But you know, Joel's still basically the world's greatest mass murderer because um, it's just how many people you kill. But I think, and there's always this, not really argument, but there's always this conversation when it comes to being critical about like storytelling in, yeah. in my group of friends, because like you know I've said before on the podcast, like I really like Gone Girl, and right. there's a big twist in Gone Girl, and I didn't see it coming. Okay. But all my friends did. Yeah. Does that mean Gone Girl's bad? Or does that mean I'm dumb? No, I have friends like that, too. But yeah, I saw the twist coming in Last of Us. Does right. that mean 
the twist in Last of Us is bad? Does that mean people that didn't see that twist coming are dumb? Oh, well, there's a bigger twist at the end <gasps> that you could probably call if you thought about it. But like, I mean, I, I don't think that that's I don't think that's a mark of a good or a bad story. I think that Last of Us has like a really dumb story that's told really well. So like, if if we were to like sit here and like analyze the story like beat for beat, I think at the end we'd be like, well, I mean, like. It's like most other zombie movies, I guess, but I think I think it it is entertaining to watch when something's happening, but like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think my bigger critique of like storytelling in games is just I want more realistic fiction. Like I want more Firewatches and I want oh, more yeah, Gone yeah. Homes. And yeah. I'm not saying that like as a that we should get rid of all of the dark souls and all of the <laughs> the fire emblems of the world but i just feel like if you strip away like the fantastical elements like people will say like oh i'm really interested in telling the story and then they're like oh it's this cool world where like there's magic and stuff it's like what well, yeah. you're not you don't want to tell a cool you don't want to tell a good story you just want to talk about a cool place right like you're thinking about set dressing, you're not thinking about a story. Yeah. And I feel like if people were more constrained in terms of their settings yeah. for games, I feel like people would better grasp what a good story is. Yeah. But Well know. yeah, I think that like the more you layer things on top of a story, the more the more difficult it is to like get your point across. Mm-hmm. So to that effect, I've been playing Fire Emblem Heroes on uh, my iPhone. I started it. Yeah? Yeah. Do you like it? Like, I literally only started it. <laughs> Just booted up the it app? Was like, I was like, wow, 50 megs, that's pretty small. And then it was like, uh, guess what? It needs to download 30 more megs. And I was like, fine, that's cool. Then I went through like a little intro, and it was like, guess what? It needs to download 300 megs. And I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably come back to it. But at that but, point, I was just like, I'm not dealing with this. That threw me for a loop. And, like, it made me scared every time another, like, <laughs> window popped up. Right. Because now I'm just, like, waiting for it to be like, all right, now we're downloading three gigs. Yeah. So, how, does that continue? No. <laughs> okay, cool. So, the, I think the 300 megs is, like, the, the rest of the game. game. Okay. That's uh, awesome. But, yeah, I've been playing it. And I really like it. Um, because we had the Fire Emblem slash Advanced Wars talk yeah. last week. This is basically, like, bite-sized fire emblem but going back to the uh talking about storytelling again i think that the story in that game is utter nonsense yeah and doesn't make a lick of sense because it's just it's basically like a greatest hits of fire emblem right because it's just about all of these characters (laughs) meeting each other it's basically like the smash brothers a fire emblem right except the smash brothers is the Smash Brothers of Fire Emblem because there's the same amount of characters, Fire Emblem characters in Smash Brothers yeah. as there is in this game, it feels like. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed like when I started this game, I was like, oh, this is like kind of relying on me knowing any of these characters. Like it kind of isn't because they're just like, look, we're plucking out characters from existence and then putting them in this whatever world. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. But I feel like if I was a fan of the series, I'd be like, oh, snap. Oh, shit, it's Donald. Yeah. He's got a pot on his head. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. 
But uh, I really like the chibi little characters when they attack. Oh, do you? Especially when there's like when they announce it with something like, "Now it's time for you to face my ultimate weapon," and then it's just like a cute little dude like swinging an axe around. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. The um, I was I was actually playing in the bathroom one day, and I had all the all the sound turned on, so like <laughs> all these barks. It's like just Marth being like, "Let's go!" Like over and over and over again. And Wendy was like, "What the?" F- what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, we play Fire Emblem. I also noticed in um, the like loading screens where it can show you the characters. If you tap the little version of them, you can like make them say all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, people like their Fire Emblem characters, man. Like there are people like deleting this app and reinstalling it like five times because like all the characters you get in the tutorial, or I at least that. like two of the four of them you get are randomly rolled. Yeah. So like, oh, I gotta get, gotta get Roy, I gotta get Ike, or I gotta get, gotta fucking... get like a five star somebody. Yeah, uh, and I was like, man, I don't understand <laughs> the obsession with this. And then I went to like the the gachi, like the the uh, slots right area where you get new characters, and I rolled it. And my first my first character I ever got like on the roll was a four star Martha. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I was like, fuck. Okay, I guess I understand. But I was like, oh boy, I got Marth. And now I can't wait till I get Roy, because that is the extent of my Fire Emblem knowledge. <laughs> Those two characters. Yeah. Is that is Roy just the alternate skin for Marth and Might as well be. In like a, the Smash games? No, Roy was the redheaded one. Yeah. In Melee. Okay. But they were separate characters. Oh. Okay. Um I think they are. I don't know if Roy's in, in the Wii U one, I don't remember. So has Nintendo done a good job with story? Well, this is Nintendo developing Fire Emblem, right? This no, is, it's Intelligent Systems, yeah. but Nintendo published that, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the logo's in there. Yeah. I haven't played, like, a Nintendo game with, like, a really good story in a while. Yeah. It's very, like, fan-friendly, fan I think, but not very, like, outsider-friendly. Hmm. Give me one second. Sure. All right, I'm back. Yay. Sorry about that. I could hear Wendy's orchestral music. Ooh. And I wanted to make sure it wasn't picking up. What was it? What was the music from? Her Pandora. Oh. She has like, when she wants to like work on schoolwork, she just puts on orchestral music. Okay. All right. Maybe uh, she was playing a modern video game. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of music and games, Ruthie was talking about this on the Slack. Have you listened? The start screen on Fire Emblem Awakening cracks me up. I haven't. Let me see. I don't think it's going to make any sound because I have it muted. Hold on. Ugh. Come on. Come on, you sound bitch. Oh, my God. The number of like notifications that are popping up in this goddamn thing. All right, hold on. Let me restart that. Heroes. And they have like opera credits oh, in, yeah? in there. I was like, this is this track's being sung by blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what were we talking about before? Uh, well, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this Apocalypse Now game. Oh, I'm okay. I thought we were till, still talking on Fire Emblem. Well, yeah, we can do that too. Okay. But I was thinking, like, you know, like, 
do we need a Apocalypse Now game? And what would that look like? Have you watched Apocalypse Now? No, but I'm like culturally aware of it enough to like understand sort of what it's about. Okay. I'm in the same boat as you because I've yeah. never seen it. Yeah. So I think we're walking on, <laughs> very, we're in very trepidous waters right now. Right. Trying to ascertain this. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's either going to... I think there's going to be a lot of people that might hear this and be like, they've never even seen Apocalypse Now, so they don't know that it should never be a game. <laughs> or they've never seen Apocalypse Now, so they don't know that it should definitely be a game. Yeah. There's people on all sides eyeing us. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, has there been a good movie adaptation to a game? Uh, and I'm not talking about like licensed games. I mean, there's been a few good Star Wars games. Okay, but those aren't. Well, it's weird because like, how do you make the distinction? Because because the good Star Wars games aren't about the Star Wars movies. Or, yeah, it's not a direct copy yeah. of a story. And that's what I'm wondering. Like, Apocalypse Now, like, what... Is it just going to be, like, Apocalypse Now, but with CG people and, like, a shitty railgun, like, on a chopper rail mission? Or? Playing fucking... Uh, <laughs> yeah. All along the watchtower. Yeah. <laughs> Gunning people down. They should just make a Forrest Gump game. Right. But just the... Vietnam <laughs> scenes from Forrest Gump. There's Tex. I don't remember where he's from. I so I'm really picky about my media, as I'm sure yeah. people have ascertained. But I feel like if I'm making a spin-off product right. of like a a well known franchise or series or title of something right i don't want to just replicate it yeah i would want to make some sort of spin-off either a prequel or a sequel like i mean it'd be like again knowing nothing about how the story unfolds i know it's basically an adaptation of heart of darkness right it would be cool to see the character in apocalypse now seeing his fall from grace or whatever you want to call it his corruption like how he goes insane or becomes right. basically this militant leader in vietnam see i was thinking it'd be cool to just make it like harvest moon <laughs> and he's just like <laughs> a crazy dude who's just like i'm taking over this village and just make it like cute like harvest moon that could work just pulling up turnips but yeah, like so, like yeah, that's what I like. I'm just like having trouble wrapping my head around like what people would expect from this game. Well, let's see. So in the in the in the golden age of B tier licensed games, yeah, this would obviously be some sort of third person or first person poorly adapted shooter, right? Right. Of some sort with like shitty cutscenes, and it still happens these days with like that rambo game yeah i was just thinking that rambo <laughs> yeah. game or like that walking dead game yeah that activision published yep. it would be something like that now what would we want it to be if it's a story focused on it's the narrative wrapped around this film franchise i would at the very least want some sort of Mass Effect or Telltale dialogue mechanic. 
Yeah. Just copy it wholesale if you need to, because at least that there's a minimum bar of quality there of just as long as the writing's good. Right. Having that mechanic. Yeah. Depending on how brave they want to be, maybe making some sort of dialogue mechanic that is more in line with, that would mesh better with a, a shooter of some sort. Yeah. Because, you know, in my head, I'm imagining a first person shooter because, I don't know, it's just, it's a war, it's a war game. So right. my mind gravitates to Medal of Honor, Call of Duty, first person shooter. So I would, it would be weird. How would you do a dialogue mechanic in a first person shooter that's not just press F to pay respects right. kind of thing? I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, like, I feel like dialogue systems are often the bottleneck for innovative gameplay. Like, I mean, like, I think the the best I've seen is stuff like Fallout 3 and stuff where it just is just like, here's a bunch of options mm -hmm. and they kind of have to do with your character. Yeah. And then some of the worst I've seen are like Fallout 4 where it's just <laughs> like, here's the four. But like, I mean, a lot of innovation in dialogue mechanics has been like recently, like in, um, what's that one where you walk around as kids? I think you're kids. Like teenagers or something. Uh, is it oxen free? Game? Oh, oxen free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that doesn't really. Like that's more. That's less of the like innovation in mechanics and more of like innovation in user experience. Yeah, I guess design. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be weird. So yeah, I don't know, but I mean, like, I think the only thing that I think might work in a way that like I would think is kind of cool is kind of like um like how Rogue One was a prequel spin-off to episode 4 like something like that where it takes some detail of the movie that I haven't seen so I can't really tell you what kind of details would work well but like Well, this is character his name's Luke Skywalker. Right. <laughs> and uh he's a Jedi. But, is he uh, though? He has to be trained to be a Jedi. Yeah. Uh and his father uh Darth Vader used to be known as Anakin Skywalker. So He's, I feel like in Star Wars, like, are you a Jedi before you're trained to be a Jedi? I don't know. I fucking the 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 term Jedi, like the 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 concept of Jedi, I feel like is so fluid at this point. Yeah. And like the next one's called the Last Jedi. Right. I feel like it's like, kind of like there's a lot of like veiled racism in Star Wars, where it's just like, ooh, veiled. Dude, this bloodline's really good at being sorcerers. And Let's train them and set them up in fancy hotels. Let's talk about the alien that was oh, yeah. well, Lando Calrissian's co-pilot in the Millennium Falcon that was basically a bad Asian racist stereotype. Right, or Jar Jar Binks. Or most of the not-white people <laughs> in Star Wars. There was a really good article I saw about how Billy D. Williams like made Lando... like. Being given basically like no material to work with right. and like just own that character and That's owned cool. basically the the first like black character, well known black character in Star Wars. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. Well, nobody else was gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not uh, uh, James Earl Jones. <laughs> I think he was originally uncredited, James Earl Jones. For real? Yeah. That sucks. I don't know. I don't know if he requested that, right? Or that's something they did. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with this trash. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, I don't know. Like maybe uh so so the movie basically takes place like this dude takes over like a a small village or something, right? Yeah. Makes it like his little fiefdom. So like maybe it'd be cool to like have kind of like a prequel thing where there's like make it a tower defense game. Yeah. Well, like you could have like another village or like re- rebellion within the village or something like that. I don't know. I just saw that article and I was just like, why though? Well, it's doubly cons- concerning because it's a Kickstarter. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like think of the Godfather games, however you want to think about them, but think about how much or it costs to make those games right in the era that they were made. So Xbox, original Xbox or Xbox 360 era. And, you know, take, take licensing out of the equation, but think of, you know, a full fledged AAA or attempting to be AAA game, how much it must've cost. And I don't know. I mean, how much are they asking for this game? Like a couple million, two, three million. Like what's that going to do? That's not going to pay for your, all the CG or all the super, rendered modeling you're gonna get it's just gonna be a bunch of capsules so running around and one of them's gonna be wearing a cavalry hat it's francis ford coppola right yes why did he say now is the time is it just because like Cause the world's ending <laughs> <laughs> gotta get it out the door is he like i might die soon and i want to play a video game or like but he doesn't like the godfather games right so i don't i don't i don't know but it's just weird to me. Like, what what's his deal with those? Like, was he just like, I don't like the graphics enough, or because like it's weird to me. Like, nothing is really screamed like, well, guys, we finally cracked the nut of making movie games. I don't know, but like movie games are odd. They're coming back oddly enough because like the Avengers license is going to Crystal yeah. Dynamics. It's weird, and Telltale's making like five hundred billion different Marvel licensed games. Well, is the Avengers game going to be based on the Avengers movie or will it be more on a riff of the characters? Like, I have no idea. Cause that can always work. I mean, like I know it could work. It's just, it's, it's they're good. It's going to be tied in, in a certain way. They right. wouldn't announce it now the way it is. If it wasn't at least tied just like the new Marvel versus Capcom. I haven't seen that. Uh, they announced it like a month or two back it's marvel versus capcom infinite and it's the mcu characters so no x-men at Uh least presumed no x-men already it's trash (laughs) it's no marvel superheroes is capcom just like please buy us disney (laughs) i don't know if they want them (laughs) yeah (laughs) or like uh, what (laughs) or so avalanche not the Just Cause Avalanche, mm-hmm. but the Avalanche that made uh, Disney Infinity oh, okay. that got closed down has reopened and been acquired by Warner Brothers, Ooh! and they're making a Cars 3 license game. Wait, Cars? Yeah. I thought that was Disney. That is Disney. What? Yeah. So Warner Brothers, who you could argue is like one of Disney's major competitors right now between DC and Marvel, yeah. bought a former Disney video game studio to produce a licensed game for a Disney franchise. What? Yes. This is well, I mean, maybe it's like a Sega Nintendo thing where it's like yeah, Sega I, Yeah. You know, W the WB ain't doing too hot right now. No, yeah. It's like it's like those business units aren't like aren't like 
there's no camaraderie between like WB Games and right. DC. It's not like they're <laughs> you know brothers in arms or anything. It's like no, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna go where the money is. That's pretty interesting. And I mean, I'm sure they acquired a bunch of talent and and maybe some trade secrets, maybe <laughs> from the people from Avalanche. So if they wanted to make like a Disney Infinity like thing, yeah, maybe they could. I don't know. That's that's pretty rampant speculation on my part. I don't think that'd be uh, that'd be a good business choice. Have right you now. played Disney Infinity? Uh uh-uh. uh I played it with like a eight year old the other day. Well, that's, I feel like you would. Otherwise, <laughs> wouldn't you get like? <laughs> reprimanded by a police officer or something (laughs) when like chris matthews walk out and be like we're doing a show have a seat over there and it's like (laughs) yeah i'm sitting already i'm not gonna stand up and play disney infinity duh (laughs) i'm already here look i got it on the stand but yeah i played like the sandbox mode with this kid and it was just like the worst game i've ever played and that's the like the build mode yeah and it was just what it just wasn't fun it was just i don't know it was just like a shitty minecraft I think it's just a way for kids to play. Like it's like a new way of playing with toys, because mm-hmm. like the kid wasn't really playing the game. He would just be like, "Now I'm gonna swap you out, and now you're Hulk, and now I'm gonna swap me out, and now I'm Thor, and now I'm gonna swap you out, and now you're Iron Man." And it was just like that endlessly. And I was just like, "Cool, this is awesome." <laughs> and then he'd be like, "Now I'm in a helicopter. Now I'm taking apart this building. Now I'm Syndrome." Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> "Now you're Aladdin." Okay, oh, cool. <laughs> So I, uh, the game for me was just like I would take all the vehicles he would spawn and throw them off the world and be like, <laughs> oh, whoops, I broke your motorcycle. <laughs> but yeah. Too much power. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's like Minecraft creative mode where like some people do really cool stuff with it, but the majority of people just like make a dick laugh about it for 15 <laughs> minutes and then they're like, I can't play this anymore. I mean, I'm laughing about it now. I didn't even make the dick. <laughs> yeah. That's the best part of Minecraft. You don't even have to play. You can just watch other people make dicks. Yeah, some of the shit people make in Minecraft is ridiculous. The the working com- calculator. Yeah. I think was like the pinnacle of like, all right, like we have gone too far. <laughs> yeah. Like when we're building this within a game, like when we have proven that Notch made a accurate representation of like circuitry yep and logic gates something frightening is going on also i felt like an idiot because i could never figure out the logic gates properly <laughs> yeah. like all right now it's an and switch <laughs> oh it's not working i'm just trying to turn on these lights <laughs> i just want to flip this switch you have like, and the lava comes down you have like a three by three by three home hovel <laughs> and then you have like a like a single torch <laughs> yeah and you just have like the empire state building flipped on its side to support all the mechanics <laughs> that go into turning the lights on and off <laughs> that's what i felt like sometimes man yeah i had a cool castle thing where the entire floor there was a basement but the basement sat underneath the water and the entire ah, ceiling was glass that's pretty cool so the water flowed over the glass ceiling very andrew lloyd weber yeah i liked it a lot eat your heart out uh falling water guy <laughs> is that architect yeah why did i say andrew lloyd weber it's definitely not andrew lloyd weber oh, is this fucking yeah the guy the famous one the dude. Oh. I'm failing my art history professor right now. Yeah. Still, Jesus Christ Superstar. Pretty good musical. What? That's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Okay. Is he a c- composer? Yeah. Okay. 
For some reason, the only name that's jumping out in my mind is Henry David Thoreau, and I know it. Not. <laughs> now that I've thought of this and you've thought of that, that's all we're going to think about, so <laughs> let's just drop it. Uh, okay. Um, so, Will. What's up? Do you want to go back to Fire Emblem? or do you want? Yeah, what's about- going on with Fire Emblem? So, I like it a lot. Yeah? It's, it's a lot of fun because the the matches take like five minutes right and you have four units the enemy side has four units and the weapon triangle is still in effect mm-hmm. swords beat axes axes beat lances lances beat swords and it's always on the screen and it's color coded which is super convenient because <laughs> i don't even need to like look at the fucking shapes right it's like blue beats green green bleeds beats red red no Red beats green, green beats blue, blue beats red. Because it's basically going from warmer, RGB. warmer to cooler. Yeah. Or RGB. There you go. Awesome. Pneumonic devices. Yeah. <laughs> Pneumatic devices. <laughs> Get this mail out of here. The uh but it's it's a it's a lot of fun. And like and I've said it before, like I'm not a big XCOM guy. Because it's just there's too much going on to wrap my head around. Right. And but the systems in intelligence system games are like are concrete and and stable and clear. Yeah. I mean they could be more clear, but they're pretty clear. And this is such a stripped down version. Like there's no accuracy rating on anything. Right. It's just this is how many hit points you're gonna take off. Yeah. And just do it. And then there, you know, there's uh, uh, weapon um, prof- not proficiencies but like weaknesses and strengths and then there's like there's terrain to think of but I don't even surface the terrain so sometimes I just stay in the woods because I'm like I think I get I think I get less damage if I'm in the woods but I really <laughs> uh, because I it's I, just I, headcanon for you now <laughs> I swear to god I remember learning that in either uh, Advance Wars yeah. or Fire Emblem there's no permadeath which is great um, sometimes there's permadeath in the sense of in order to complete this mission, you need all your, uh, heroes need to survive. Right. But there's no like, oh, this character's dead. They're gone forever. Right. You just play the mission again. Yeah. There's a shit ton of currencies just all over the place. I don't know what half of them do because there's orbs, which you use to buy new heroes or play the slides. They're just there to confuse you to put money in the game. Right. <laughs> um, but I think the only one you can buy is orbs. Because there's like there's orbs and then there's shards and then there are hero hero feathers and then there are like pendants and then there are like hero swords and like I have no idea and then there's stamina which you spend stamina to like go on missions right so it's basically a way of gating how much you can play in a sitting but you get so much stamina that unless you fail a mission like twenty times you're never going to be low on stamina unless you're playing this game for four hours. And if you are, just go fucking play regular Fire Emblem if you're going to play right. this game that long. But it's it's great because you can just pick it up, play a mission or two, skip all the stupid dialogue because <laughs> it's super inconsequential. And Good bathroom game. It is. It's a perfect bathroom game. And like, in, sometimes your characters have hearts over their heads on the on your like team screen, which I don't know what that means, but when I click on them, they give me currency and I'm like, sweet. Is there, like, dating sim in this? No, there's no, like, relationship stuff in, like, regular Fire Emblem. 
Um, like I said, it's super stripped down, but it's like the fire emblem that most people engage with. It's like, I'm going to move my uh, units. Units has this speed, has this proficiency, has this stuff. And then it has the great um, stuff that, uh, so each unit has their own currency tied to themselves called like SP. Right. Which I don't know what that stands for. Maybe like specialty points or something. But you use that to unlock new skills for them. Mm. And the skills, so I think the skills also have a like level requirement for some of them or like a, uh, so the star rating, there's like a term for that okay. in the game. I forget what it's called, but like some um, of the skills can only be learned when your character has five stars. Uh-huh. So like I have a four star Marth, but he needs five stars to get this the 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 best sword. Right. But in order to increase his star rating, he has to be at least level twenty, I think. And then there's some sort of mechanic into that. I don't know if you feed him currency or stuff. Huh. But it's like all right, your characters need to be at least twenty to like get them ultra max Ubermensch. Right. Um but you still unlock other characters. So like I was really looking for a healer. So I was playing the slots and I finally got a healer character. And so she has no offensive abilities. Like when I got her, but she has like a, a heal. And I want to say she had like some sort of passive ability or something, but she only needed like 50 SP to get an attack. Right. So then I just swapped her. One of my characters out for her just started healing people, and every time she healed someone, she got XP, and then when she leveled up, she got enough SP to um, unlock her attack. And now I'm rolling with my boy Marth, and my awesome healer, and my awesome green-haired girl on horseback who's like a green mage, and then my awesome Lance lady. Lance lady. Lance lady. Yeah. She's like the main character, um... That you get when the game starts. So, like, the the two characters you always get are this brother and sister. I don't forget uh-huh. what their names are. But, like, she's, like, that default the default sister. I see. But it's great because, like, you're just... Like I said, it's a best of. So, you're just fighting all these pe- characters that you know from other games. So, it's like, oh, look, there's Roy. I'm going to fucking murder him. <laughs> oh, look, there's Robin. I'm going to fucking murder him or her. It's a lot of fun. It looks fun. I don't know what the long tail is on it. Right. So I might, there might be a point where I'm just like, all right, whatever. Done. Uh, But for the time being, I like it. And I like it a lot more. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I was going to say that I like like a lot more than the regular Fire Emblems, but I don't think that's true. I just think there's so, such a lower cost to playing this game. Right. So much less upkeep. And investment. Yeah. That this. It's easier to just jump into. Yeah. If you like turn-based, grid-based strategy games, it's really easy to jump into this one than feel pressured by all the stuff you have to do in a regular Fire Emblem game. That's cool. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, do you have trouble ending your relationship with the game? Yes, because I have like eight AAA games installed on my PC. Yeah, I'm like, I need to get back to it. I need to get back to it. Like, I, like I, I said last week, like Mafia Three, uh, Witcher Three. I still have uh, No Man's Sky installed <laughs> in there. Um, 
which I might get back to. But if I delete that, it's fine because it's like cloud saved or like right. on the Hello Games server. But I'm very, I'm very scared about like cloud saves. Yeah. Because Steam uh, muddles that so much and obfuscates it. Yeah. That I'm scared that I'm just going to uninstall a game. And it says it uploaded it to the cloud, but it's just gone. Yeah. So I'm just nervous about that. I think I still have Fallout New Vegas on there too. Right. I mean, it's just like, it's hard to, I find it's really hard to move on from games that I know I'll never play again, but yeah, you got to keep them installed. Yeah. So I just buy more SSDs. <laughs> just <laughs> slot those in. Be like, all right, span this drive. Yeah. There's like, um. I think it makes it harder to decide what to play too. Right. Because you have this like analysis paralysis of yeah. sorts of like, oh, I have all these games, but I should be playing this game. Like I was even feeling that playing this. It's like, oh, Fire Emblem Heroes is a lot of fun, but I should be playing <laughs> X, Y, or Z. Like I still haven't played that much of Wind Waker and I have Wind Waker, but also I got Majora's Mask on 3DS for Christmas. Right. So I have two Zelda games that are just like, play us. And I'm like, I will. Maybe. Eventually. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Prove your love. <laughs> Even with uh, Pico 8, I downloaded a bunch of carts and was like looking through them. And there were some times where I was like, oh man, I want to keep playing this game. But then I was just like, oh, but I, I got so many. Gotta How can I choose? And then the Humble Bundle comes out and here's like, here's a thousand games for a dollar. And yeah. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what have I done? Yeah, so I didn't even play Dark Souls this week. No? Yeah. What, what'd you play? Uh, Pico 8. That's not a game. Pretty much just Pico 8. And well, I started g- Fire Emblem. <laughs> Give me some Pico 8 games you played. Any, is there any like... Uh, Hug Arena. Hug Arena? Yeah, that's a big favorite of mine. Uh, Matchy Matchy is a little puzzle game by a dude I really like called... I think it's Ilk. I-L-K-K-E. Mm-hmm. He's like a pixel artist dude. He also made like a really good Pong game called Prong or Prung or something. It's got umlauts in there. <laughs> Prung. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good games on Pico 8. Uh, do you want to go into any of them? Like, uh, I would I would just say like they they have the carts kind of like set up so you take a screenshot of the game and then that screenshot is the graphic for the cart. Right. And what I really like about Pico 8 is like the simplicity means games are very honest. Like it's not like American comic books where you like see the cover and you're like, cool, awesome, I'll buy this. And then you get home and you're just like, all this sucks. Like you're telling me not every page was painted by <laughs> Alex Ross. Right. And so like with Pico 8 games, like it's really easy to just like jump into their like forum and just like immediately see something that catches your eye. And then it's usually like, represented pretty well by its cover that's cool you know what game i want to play that you shared with the group is gimmick oh man that's a really good game i was like i watched that video the annotated video Uh, that someone put up i was like this looks cool yeah throws the star and then he jumps on the star i didn't know your martin screlly game was yeah it was pretty much just like i want to make something like gimmick because i thought because you were saying like how everyone thought it was a Kirby game. Yeah, everybody <laughs> thought it was a Kirby game. I and thought I was it was just a like, Kirby yeah, game. Yeah, fine, it's a Kirby game. 
It's like, but then, now the stars make sense because, like, in, I would see like gifts for your Martin Shkreli game, and he'd like have this giant star. It's like, what? It's like almost gimmick. Yeah, it's like where where does Kirby have a star <laughs> except like when he gets hit? Yeah, and like the, the his power up is gone. Puke up stars. Yeah, and then ride on stars. Oh my God, is Kirby riding his vomit? That's is a it good question? Kirby or maybe vomit? like another dead Kirby's vomit. Kirby vomit rider. <laughs> Is that the dance at the yeah. end of the stage? And he holds up the flag. <laughs> but yeah, gimmick's like a great game. If like you're into Kirby, gimmick is just like more great stuff. That gimmick sprite though, ain't great. It's kind of cute though. It, yeah, but it's like kind of misshapen. Yeah, it's kind of malformed. It's just like a weird form with a horn. It's like a it's like a green slime ball that someone like threw on the ground and so it like flattened at the bottom <laughs> yeah i can see that yeah it's like the kind of spray i would make <laughs> <laughs> like if given only like 30 seconds to make a spray it's like fuck okay here you go lump yeah the um the cover art's really cute too oh is it and the music's really good too yeah it looks cool and apparently it's like a, a crazy technical achievement for yeah. the amount of stuff they got in that game yeah just like the, the 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 graphical fidelity and things for a very late nintendo game yeah except it didn't come out here i know it only came out in sweden or i don't like know somewhere it's scandinavia basically like i played it once on like an emulator and i was like this is really good i'm gonna add this to like games i want to buy list like a while ago and then i looked up pricing and i was like never mind i'll never own it <laughs> should just print your own board man yeah get could, a custom do. casing get some repro cards going there you go i know a guy yeah actually i think we all know that guy yeah. <laughs> what up brian hey how you doing just get him on the show yeah uh yeah i didn't know that guy was a that was a local thing so oh yeah tyler yeah. told me about it <laughs> at magfest i was like oh that sounds awesome yeah there's a lot of like repro cart companies now it's really crazy Basically, every time I see like a weird rare game that I kind of want, like for sale, I'm like, oh, cool, they have it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, technically it's a repro card, and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, it's like fucking like at at a certain point, they're all going to be repro cards. Yeah. Like, like, like they're deteriorating. Like, right. Nintendo's not making new Nintendo cartridges. There's a part of me that is like a collector that wants to buy a cartridge and like stuff. Like the original? Yeah, yeah. But like, it's not a big big enough part of me to care but i and like but part of me is like no i want it to be like pristine looking not me oh you want that you want that grime yeah i want it with the big like andy written in crayon on the back and stuff <laughs> i bought a tetris cart from video game heaven down the beach and it just said in sharpie emerson <laughs> and i was like well thank you emerson I'm stealing your tetris cart this place has like eight thousand of them anyways I think it'd be cool to collect like Nintendo um, booklets, like the instruction booklets. Yeah. That have like notes on the notes section. Just weird notes. It's an oddly specific thing. Or to maybe want. to like buy a bunch of them up and then like on all of them just write, get good, noob, <laughs> and then turn them back in. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wash cartridge and dishwasher. <laughs> Unlock secret level. Yeah. <laughs> Maple syrup and Nintendo makes games go faster. <laughs> Proven. Fact. <laughs> Fact. 
The um so speaking of old carts, Wendy uh got a Game Boy Color from her friend, the the see through purple one. Nice. And with it she got Super Mario Land. Ah. And I used to own Super Mario Land, the first one. Right. I own two and three. Um but I don't know whatever happened to my Super Mario Land one cartridge. Ah. So I was like, sweet, I'm gonna play Super Mario Land. And so I take the Game Boy and I turn it on and I can't see the fucking screen because it's not that clip. And I'm like, never mind. I'm going to take this cartridge out and put it in my Game Boy Advance SP. Yeah, yeah. And play it the proper way. Yeah. Uh, but Super Mario Land, I played mostly on the original Game Boy. Yeah. And the sprite work in Super Mario Land is weird. Right. Because it's super small. It's like not done by the regular Mario team. I don't know. I don't know who made it. I think Super Mario Land 2 and 3 was Nintendo R&D. Right. Well, it's like, it was like the team that did like all the Wario games or something. Okay. The, yeah. Then that's probably like I think maybe Mario Land 1 was like one of their earlier games or something. R&D 27. Uh, but when I was a kid, none of the other Game Boy, original Game Boy games made me think this. But when I would play Super Mario Land, I was like, this looks like a Game & Watch game. Yeah. Because there was like some sort of weird offset, or at least, I don't know, the way, maybe it's because the sprites were so small and my eyes were going cross-eyed. <laughs> right. But like there was this weird offset where it looked like the sprites were like coming off, like levitating off the screen like a yeah. game and watch would. I know what you mean. But like I would play RC Pro-Am all the time and I didn't get that same vibe. Well, it's also very like left to right, no verticality and the platforms are like really simplified art yeah. too. Yes. And the physics are bad. Yeah. <laughs> physics are so bad in Super Mario Land. You hit a mushroom on a block, mushroom goes to the side, <laughs> and where you expect it to arc out, yeah, it just falls, just falls straight down. down. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah. There was like no power. Like they like they were still trying to figure out what they could get out of the Game Boy right. at this point. It was insane. It's like playing a Pico 8 game kind of. <laughs> <laughs> There's... No save. You have to play oh, yeah. the entire game all the way through. Yeah. Which, as a kid, was impossible. Right. You'd get to the submarine level and be like, well, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's I really weird. like that game, though. I do, too. The water world, not the underwater world, but, like, the, the overworld, the land level that's, like, that about. The, the water traps. Yes. Yeah. Has the best music. I was gonna say the music in that game is phenomenal. It's amazing. It's We've, like very non Mario too, but it's yes. so good. I think they they did a lot. They did a lot with a little, with what they could. And ah, oh, it's just super inspiring. I'm gonna put the that water level music in here too. It's just gonna be a musical like, episode. Yes. So good. It's and the baseline's like do Oh, that is so catchy. It's crazy. I think they kind of saw the game and was like, guys, this looks like shit. We need to, <laughs> yeah. we need to do something. I also liked when you hopped on en- enemies and they would be like, flop. <laughs> oh, yeah. They would <laughs> sound effects hop like so off the easy. screen. I hate how the Koopa Troopas, when you'd stomp on them, they turn into bombs. Yeah. Their shells turn into bombs. Yeah. That would fuck me up so much as a kid, and it yeah. still fucks me up. <laughs> like, all right, got this Cooper Oh, fuck! Poof. 
And it's not even like a bomb that has like a clear, like this is a bomb. It's, it's just, just a like circle. A black circle that is eventually like flashy, flashy, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is like no forgiveness in that. But I guess they had to make it hard because, I mean, how many levels are in that game? I'm surprised a lot of that hasn't been reused by like Mario Galaxy or newer Mario stuff. The only thing that is like a hold that's like is still shown in current Mario games from that era is Daisy. Yeah. Daisy is the only holdover from Super Mario Land 1. Yeah. And it's really weird. And I have no idea why. And I think and I think Daisy's a cool character. Yeah. I mean, for whatever she is, it's not like she's had a lot of screen time in the Super Mario games. She's mostly a, like a doubles partner for Peach and the, like tennis. The the bad guy in Super Mario Land was that alien, right? Yes. Like, He's cool too. Like the last level is like you fighting in a spaceship. Or like the world's called Sansa Land. Yeah. Like that's cool. Like there's so much cool stuff that they but I I I don't know why Nintendo isn't big into repurposing some stuff like the stuff they're not interested in repurposing is like story-based stuff it seems like like worlds or characters things like that yeah it's really weird but they could definitely like i can think of a lot of cool things you could do with pulling up turnips from the ground and yeah stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah man come on nintendo super mario Bros. 2 subcon fanto I think Subcon, I mean, uh, I think Super Mario Brothers 2 is the only Super Mario Brothers game that I beat as a child. Yeah. Like, because I played the Game Boy Advance re-release of it. Oh, yeah. I think that was the only one. Maybe Super Mario World as well. And Yoshi's Island. But, like, I remember getting to the end of Super Super Mario Brothers 2 and it does a thing where it's all the characters walking and then it pans out and it's Mario sleeping in his bed and he's dreaming about them <laughs> yeah. in the parade. And there's just kind of like, there's an end to these games. Like it was this really <laughs> weird, like kind of experience of like, Oh, like it's super Mario brothers. Isn't like donkey Kong. Right. Like there's a, there's a finish line. Right. And you cross it. So yeah. Or it beats uh warrior land. The first one. Yeah. I haven't beaten any of the Wario Land ones, but I've beaten six golden coins. All the ones before that. Wario is fucking hard in six golden coins. Yeah, it's is. weird. Like it's what is he, he goes through a couple phases, doesn't he? Yeah, because he has the rabbit hat at some point. Yeah, yeah. So he's like flying around the room. And you're <laughs> That's like, oh, really fuck. tough. Yeah. That genie, and at the end of Wario Land, there's a point where I could just beat him in my sleep. <laughs> I was just like, all right, jump, head, jump. Okay, but, but. yeah. Game Boy, I think the Game Boy Color had a lot of good games too. Like, I think the the limitations on it, like it was basically like a Nintendo as far as limitations go. Right. But it had like a cooler color palette. It had that Game Boy sound chip, which in some instances was cooler. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Uh... Uh, Link's Awakening, I think, is like my favorite color palette in a game. Like, right, hard stop. <laughs> Just like using a lot of white for your highlights. Yeah, in the game, and very limited like color accents. Yeah, I think is just the way to go in pixel art. That was really good. I think it's a very good aesthetic. I think a color palette can go a long way. 
I think that's another thing I really love about Pico 8. It's got a tiny color palette, 16 colors, but like they're really good colors. Mm-hmm. They make every game look good. All right, well, we're we're coming near our finish line. Ooh. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we head out? I really want to talk more about Pico 8, but <laughs> I want to I want to have some like cool Pico 8 dev discussion with Sam later. Leave me out of it. Yeah. See how it is. No, you you got to study up next week. <laughs> I might check it out. Just quit your day job. Well, Sam was sharing that uh, little prototype. He was working on like some sort of like submersible game. Yeah, that's basically the game we made at Global Game Jam because yeah. it does like the echolocate thing. Yeah, and he messaged me. He was like, "So I like basically made your game <laughs> global." I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool." And then I saw he tweeted about it and got like 32 likes. I was like, "Muff, god damn it!" <laughs> got to get on that gift train. Boop yeah. boop. <laughs> Gift train's pulling out of the station, Will. Uh, Any final words? All aboard, baby. Boop, boop. <laughs> 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 <laughs>